I said earlier that we started this series talking about the matchless message of Jesus, motivated by his love, and that the message is love. And as we come to the conclusion of the series now, we're going one step further, and we're talking about we, we are the message. Put it this way, millions of people might never open a Bible, but Christians like you and me are an open book to them. And Nuri was singing there about the light of the world. And I've got four things I want to say this morning, four little pictures from Scripture that help us understand that we are the message. And the first one is that we are shining stars or shining lights. You know that Jesus said, when I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And Christmas, we're going to talk a lot about lights, aren't we? And Jesus gives this picture of himself as the light of the world. But what we also miss is in Matthew, what we often miss is in Matthew 14, where he says, You are the light of the world. Those very verses that Nuri sang to us, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The message paraphrases, I'm putting you on a light stand, so shine. I wonder how much of a beacon of attraction your life is. Can we just knock the lights off for a minute again? If you were at the, uh, if you were at the um, firework display the other week, you'll, you'll have seen me mess around with one of my lovely little toys here. Can we get it doing something else? Let's have a look. Here we go. We got. So, what does light do? Well, it gives you direction, doesn't it? It it it, it breaks out the darkness. It shows you where to go. It gives you the way ahead. And wonder how am I on? I'm off. Here we go. The Bible says that if Jesus lives in us, now that he's not here in person, in flesh, the light of the world has declared himself to be in you and in me. So it's not like I put my little light over there and leave him shine somewhere else. And every now and again on a special occasion, I pick him up. The light is with me all the time. The potential that you and I have is that we can shine the light of Jesus into dark places. Let's put the light back on if we can. Larry, can you stick the light back on? Thank you. I don't want to waste my batteries on you lot. <laughs> oh, here we go. It's not just enough to live in the light, we want to spread the light, don't we? And Christmas is this unique opportunity to do that. And the Jews thought of themselves as the light of the world. And you can still see that as you go, uh, if you go to Israel now, you can still see ancient communities on hilltops with whitewashed walls. And even on, even on the darkest night, you can still see that city on a hill if there's some illumination coming out, coming out of it. And we are a light on a hill, either communally as a church or individually, that should attract others. You know how moths are attracted by light. 
It's like we should have people fluttering around us because they see the light of Jesus shining through us. And Jesus didn't say, I am the light of your life. He actually said, I am the light of the world. So yes, we know that Jesus comes into our life to give us illumination and brightness and direction, but he's there to shine out, to be the light of your world around you. Where can you shine that light? So we're a people of light. We're a community of light. Uh, that's who Jesus wants us to be. I was on UCB radio on Friday morning, and just before I uh, went live, Paul Hammond, the, the, the pre presenter, recorded me. They'd asked me to do a little 30-second Christmas piece, and I had to start by saying, for me, the light shining in the darkness means, and then off I went for 30 seconds, and he press record and it uh, probably will be used over the Christmas period. So I thought I'd give you a sneak preview. This is what I said. For me, the light shining in the darkness means followers of Jesus being shining lights into dark places. Ordinary men and women knowing that as they follow Jesus, they can live lives of hope and grace. Showing that in the dark times we live in, it is possible to live with compassion and faith, contending for justice and righteousness. For me, the light shining in the darkness means churches reaching out to the least, the last, the lost in their communities, becoming shining beacons of God's love and care. Lighting the darkness for the addict, for the widowed, for the cancer patient, for the refugee, for me, the light shining in the darkness means that the eternal flame of Jesus burns brightest when the world around us is most dark and that his light can never be extinguished. Amen. So if you're a UCB listener and you do hear that in the coming weeks, remember where you heard it first. So shining stars, that's the first picture that the Bible gives us as we're declaring that we are the message of Jesus. The second picture is this, living letters. In 2 Corinthians 3, we read these words. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? This is Paul writing. Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. The only letter of recommendation we need is you ourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ, showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Again, the message paraphrase says, your lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. So if somebody looks at you, what's the content of that letter that they are reading? What's going on in this passage? Well, at the time that it was written, formal letters of introduction were commonplace. You couldn't Google somebody and find out if they were legitimate or not. They would come with a letter of introduction 
from somebody else that you knew and trusted, and that person would vouch for them. So a train, stranger could be vouched for by somebody you knew and respected. The letter didn't say how great the writer was, but how trustworthy the person being introduced was. And Paul's opponents in the Jerusalem church were carrying letters of introduction to show how important they were as they were trying to belittle Paul's ministry. But Paul says, I don't need to carry a letter of introduction around. His letter was written by the Holy Spirit on the character of the people's lives that had come under his ministry. So it's, a, it's as if we're saying this, here's, here's my letter from God to the world, but it's coming via me. Uh-oh. <laughs> you put your name there. From the Lord Jesus to the world via Hannah. Via Daniel. Via Ruth. Via Dave. And it's as if God is writing a story of his love and his grace on your life, in your life, that others can read. And that's why it's so important that we don't just talk about our faith. That is important. But we live it, we show it, we declare it in the values that we live our life by. And so I'm going to ask you in, in your tables just to have a couple of minutes discussion and if you want to put two tables together that's fine but I want you just to have a couple of questions I think they're coming up next how do you feel about being an open book displaying your faith in Jesus that can be read by others we're mixing our metaphors here open book living letter you might want to read Philippians those three or four verses in Philippians how do they challenge you and what obstacles might stand in your way this Christmas to sharing your faith as we're going through these, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, particularly to prompt you in, in, in just one of these pictures. We're going to give you four. We've, st we've started with shining stars. We've talked about a living letter or an open book. We've got two more. I'm just going to ask you to, to say, Holy Spirit, would you prompt me which of these is, is the one that I need to grab hold of today and just pray about and commit to? And the third one is what the... NIV calls fragrant aroma. In the New Living Translation, it's sweet perfume. Let me read to you again also from 2 Corinthians. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Listen to that. He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? So my question is, how sweet do you smell? I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you a little trait, I'll give you a little secret here. I have, uh, I've got some, 
nice, obviously, you know, I don't shave very often, but I have got some nice aftershave at home. But in my car, I've got some everyday aftershave. When I jump in the car, more often than not, I give myself a bit of a spray of it. Jill thinks it's horrible and doesn't like the smell of it. And whenever I'm in the car with her, she'll go, what's that car? And so I haven't bought that one this morning. Neither have I bought my Hugo Boss because that's a little bit expensive. But I have bought my White Musk Sport. Don't even get a... How much we can... Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's not the best in the world. But you, you know... You know what it's like when you just get a whiff of something and it's really nice. Not necessarily saying this is. Don't be too condemnatory about it. It's from, it's Body Shop. And so I think, it's a, I think my sister bought it for me. She's a Body Shop rep, amongst other things. So, But are we getting overpowered by it yet? Yeah. Yeah, I know we didn't. No, if anybody's got allergies to what, well, there is a doctor in the house. So we're all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you know what it's like when you just get a whiff of something and it's pleasant. Might, might be perfume. It might be the aroma of food or, 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 or something out in, in, in nature. And it, it, it's, it's, oh, that smells great. You equally know the opposite of that. When you get a whiff of something that's unpleasant. Nope, we won't even develop that conversation any further. But you know the difference between a fragrant aroma, a sweet perfume, and something that smells horrible. And the Bible says that, that we're two things at once, actually. That we are this life-giving perfume that some smell as life, others who reject it smell it as death. But not just the people around us smell this sweet perfume, but it wafts like a fragrant aroma up to heaven. And God is aware of our spiritual smell, if you like. Recent research, and we shouldn't be surprised by this really, suggested that people, you and me, we can smell emotion. That's interesting, isn't it? We know that the sort of animals can, they say that they can smell fear. But, but there's, it might even not be a conscious smell, but un, an unconscious awareness of the fragrance of anger, of sadness, of joy, of happiness. And I think this is what the passage is getting at. Our emotional smell can... Re, can can evoke the same emotional response in the lives of others. Good timing. Good to see. You. We're just going to pause and we want to say thank you for your great efforts in delivering leaflets over the last week or so. Can we give Marge a round of applause? Thank you for that. It was so much appreciated. And we really pray that there'll be some fruit of all those leaflet deliveries over, over Christmas. So the fragrant aroma. Because of Jesus in us, we give off this aroma of life to those around us. We don't want to be people that have spiritual BO, do we? 
We don't want to rely on last week's smell of Jesus. We want to change our spiritual underwear regularly, don't we? Am I getting too graphic for some of you now? I'm sorry. But you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. And you've seen that in the lives of others. You've seen it when Christians smell sweet. And you've seen it when they don't smell so sweet. And if we're honest, we've known the times when we have smelt sweet. Smelt sweet. And we know the times when we perhaps haven't smelt as sweet as we should have smelt. It's a powerful picture, isn't it? So we've got the shining stars, the light to the world. We've got the living letters, an open book. We've got the sweet perfume, the fragrant aroma. And then finally, the Bible tells us that we are wise fishermen. We are wise fishers. Matthew 4, 19 and 20. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Don't know how many of you have ever, this is about the best I could come up with this morning for this. And I had to, about 10 o'clock last night, delve deep into our shed and found the old crabbing net that our kids used to use. And goodness knows where this was this come from. I didn't even know we had this, but we have. It won't, be, it won't catch many fish because it hasn't got any line attached to it but I don't know if you're if you're a fisherman or a fisher person then fishing can be strangely addictive and people can live for it live for that time of getting out and catching I don't know if any of you watch Reeves and Mortimer gone fishing on TV two comedians have gone out together and they've traveled all over the UK going fishing in different places, catching and releasing. But the Bible says that Jesus redefined the lives of rough, tough, burly fishermen and said, play on words, you're not just going to be fishermen, now you're going to be fishers of men, fishers of people. A change of destiny, a change of identity, a change of lifestyle. Literally following Jesus around in community, leaving their nets, leaving their boats behind and heading off for that change of priority. Fishing in the right places. You can't be a fisher of people unless you fish. You can't be a fisher of people unless you've got a net or a rod or whatever. You can't be a fisher of people at home sticking your net in your bath or standing over your toilet with your rod. It won't work. You've got to go to places where the people are. And some of us, well, all of us do that in different ways. For some of us, we're called to fish for a lot of people. Because we're perhaps in places where there are lots of people. Or we might be people who've got opportunities to publicly share the good news with crowds of people in more formal events. But others of us are called to be fishers, wise fishers, 
in the little pools and the ponds and the rock pools that God puts around us. And so we keep saying it. So you might be fishing for people in your street, in your family, in your office, in, your, in that favorite coffee shop you go to. And if you're aware, Jesus will use you. He will help you adjust your nets. He will help you use the bait wisely. And I want to remind you that one comparatively easy way of beginning this fishing process is with those Christmas invitations. It's never a better time of year to begin to invite people to things or to open up a spiritual conversation and you've at least got that leaflet in your hand. And the other thing I want to say is on the, on the desk, those of us a few months ago who spent a couple of weeks with Gary Gibbs from the Elim Evangelism, Elim Evangelism Department gave us these books called The Big Welcome, which is basically an evangelistic tract based on uh, the story of the prodigal son, the loving father. And Gary had a great way of doing this. So he's, this is the conversation to a, to a friend. He says, hey, our church had got these new leaflets. We're trying to road test them to see what people think of them. Would you do me a favor? Have a good read of it this week. And next time we meet for coffee, tell me what you think about it. Because I'd be interested to hear. See, that's quite a wise way of fishing, isn't it? Rather than saying to somebody, I think you're a miserable sinner. I think you're on the way, I, I think you're on the way to hell. You better read this letter. I'm being extreme, but you, but you know what I mean? So there are ways to be wise as we fish using the right bait. So do take some of those. We've got plenty of them. They're on the tables. That might be a great little tool for you to keep in your handbag, to keep in your jacket, to give out to people. Also on the tables, while I remember, we've got some Elim visitors guides. So those of you who have been coming to the church the last few months and you like New Life Church, but you don't really know what, what's this Elim movement, who are we part of, what are we about, there's a visitors guide there that tells you a little bit more about our national and our worldwide movement so you know a little bit about who we are. So let's draw things to a close. If God is love and we know he is, then Jesus is love personified. That's the Christmas message, isn't it? And we need to take him to the places and to the people where they don't know his love. So as Christians, God has entrusted us with the most vital task anyone has ever had. God is saying to you and me, I want you to be a part of redeeming this world. I want you to be a part of building my kingdom. God has given us the privilege and the responsibility to get involved. And to carry out this mission, we haven't only got to take the message of Jesus and put it into people's hands. We've got to be the message of Jesus in people's lives. And so I wonder what God is saying to each of you today about being a shining light. Is that what the Holy Spirit is imprinting on you to shine for Jesus? Is it about being a living letter that people can read, an open book? Or is it about being a sweet perfume, a fragrant aroma? Or is it about being a wise fisher person? 
It's often said that people don't care how much Christians know until they know how much Christians care. And so we can give our love and our time and compassion to others as we live lives that honour Jesus by them. And there's that age-old question to answer. You'll have heard it before, I'm sure. If you haven't, then listen to this. If you were arrested tomorrow for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, that's a good one, isn't it? Let me say that again. If you were arrested tomorrow for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? See, we end this season of thinking about sharing our faith, evangelism and the power of the Holy Spirit by saying that God wrapped the message of his love up in a person, Jesus. And God through Jesus, has wrapped that same message in us. We are the message. Jesus lives in us. Let's pray together before we sing and we finish. So, Father, we, we're a bit daunted, but we're up for this challenge of being the message of Jesus. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you might speak right into our lives now. We might not remember everything that we've talked about this morning, but we want to walk out of here with one picture firmly imprinted in our spirit and in our mind. For some of that, it's to be a shining light, the light of the world shining into the darkness. For others of us, it's to be a living letter, an open book, that just by the way we live and act, people can see Jesus in us. For some of us, it's being that sweet perfume, that fragrant aroma. When we enter a room, people are immediately sweetened. And their emotion is drawn towards us because Jesus is in us. some of us it's to be that wise fisher reaching out to those that are lost and grabbing hold of them for Jesus so Holy Spirit we ask that you would use us empower us bless us and we look forward in faith to the next few weeks leading into this Christmas season that there might be a time that we can share the love of Jesus with those around us. And again, we just pray for all that we prepared through the month of December, that you might use each and every occasion to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.